Hi, I'm Barry Roberts Ross. I'm an author and a patient advocate, and you're listening to Cut to the Chase. Stepping out beyond boundaries takes courage and the ability to dream. We are excited to share our new audio podcast called Cut to the Chase. The structure of this podcast embodies open dialogue with friends, family, and professional colleagues talking about things that impact our ability to thrive. We hope that you will join our unscripted, unbridled podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase, episode 140, 140 entitled, Your Life, Your Fight. Now, I always have this little cliche that people go, well, Greg, you come up with these titles and we still don't really understand the magic behind the power that you bring through these episodes through the titles. Well, once again, today I have a featured guest that really this is her story. This is something that was so compelling when she reached out to me and I had the first time to be introduced to this beautiful, remarkable person that it really shook me to the core. And I'll tell you that I am delighted to have her on the program today. And so before I introduce her, I am going to go through a few quotes that I have. And one of the quotes basically goes like this. It says, stop fighting yourself and accept where you are in life. Let this time in your life motivate you to let go of all the things that are holding you back. And that was by Mr. Robert Tui. And I'll tell you, as we talk to our featured guest today, some of those words are really going to resonate just like with the second quote, which basically goes like this. It says, it's never too late to realize what's important in your life and to fight for it. And I think that message alone really translates into your life, your fight. And so today, our featured guest is a best-selling author, speaker, and health advocate. To those who are facing deadly diagnosis, to those who are carrying a loved one with severe health challenges, our featured guest will share a profound and powerful message that will empower, educate, and equip you to understand how to live and thrive in any health crisis with courage and hope. As the number one best-selling author of Stronger With Two, the aspiring story of her husband and wife winning the battle against cancer together, she holds nothing back as she reveals her own journey. She had 10 years of head and neck 
cancer survival ship. She is past volunteer chair with the Winship Cancer Institute patient and family advisor advisors. She has also been active in the Winship Peer Partner Program, which she pairs volunteer survivors with patients going through cancer treatment. She shows patients that you can survive cancer. It's not over because you hear the words cancer. Now, I'm not going to stop there because our featured guest has some other astonishing accomplishments that I have to note because of the respect that I have for her and the individual and the contributor that she is and what she's doing out there to really change the narrative. And some of these other accolades that I'd like to mention is that she was the first minority woman as a VP in Chase Bank. She was also the VP of an oil and gas establishment. And she has been a part of the diversity business, I want to say, or restaurant, or excuse me, been a part of a, a diversity, diversity business restaurant since 2009. Now, she has such an extended passion when we talk about the disparity of care in the Afri- African-American communities, which we've all seen, we've all heard. It's everywhere as we talk about things that are going on in our society today. And without further ado, I would just like to introduce Miss Barr Rose, and I surely hope I did a wonderful job introducing you. How are you doing today? I am doing well. Thank you, Gregory. <laughs> excellent, well. excellent, excellent. Well, we're delighted to have you on the program, and certainly we have a lot to discuss. I mean, not only all of the wonderful things that you're doing to support the disparity of African American health care, you know, going on in, in today's society, but also by you being a cancer survivor yourself, not only you, but also your husband. And so I'd like to be able to start there for just a moment and kind of help set the stage for where we'd like to carry this journey, this dialogue. And I'd like for you to begin by sharing with us that at the moment in time, you and your husband, or should I say your husband, was having some health issues, you carried him to the doctor, and from that standpoint was the beginning of a life-changing, altering experience for you. Can you share that moment in time with us? Yes, Gregory. So in 209, my husband for months had been having symptoms and the doctor couldn't find out or didn't know what was wrong with him. So I went to his uh, appointment, one of the appointments with him as they were setting him up for a uh, biopsy. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, uh, the doctor was looking, of course, at his symptoms, which were enlarged lymph nodes. 
And he turned to the doctor and he said, well, maybe it's something contagious um, because my wife has uh, a similar swelling behind her ear. And I had not noticed it. I was still up and functioning and going about my days where he was mm -hmm. very weak. And so the doctor looked at it and he said, I'm not sure what's wrong with your husband, but I have some idea with what's going on with you. He called me and gave me a fine needle biopsy and came back, you know, 48 hours later and told me, well, I still don't know what's wrong with your husband, but you definitely have cancer. Mm -hmm. And sent me for a uh, CAT scan, called me back in and said, and you have cancer and it's spread, it's late stage. And mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it. So I said, okay, so what are we going to do about it? And he looked at me and he said, um, well, you know, I have this great guy and he's in Mayo Clinic and he helps people like you. Uh, he's had some success, but he doesn't take your insurance. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this went on. He went down the list of people that he knew were capable of at least helping me. But every time he came at the end of the sentence was, but they don't take your insurance. They don't take your insurance. So finally mm -hmm. he comes to some, I found somebody who takes your insurance. <laughs> Um, he can't see you for six weeks. So I told him, I said, well, you know, you're having an insurance conversation. I'm trying to have a save Barry's, Barry's life conversation. They're totally, right. they're not even touching. I mean, they're totally running your conversation. My conversation's running parallel. Um, so please give me my information. Please keep working with my husband, but I've got to look for somebody that is willing to look for look at me as a patient and not insurance mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. he did he gave me all my uh paperwork and scans and everything and i sent them to my daughter immediately i left his office went and sent them to my daughter i was in phoenix at the time and she was in atlanta at emory university hospital mm -hmm. and uh within 40 minutes she called me and she said oh mommy this is so serious. And I showed it to my doctor and uh, we have to get you here tonight. I said, I cannot come tonight because mm -hmm. we still have to find out what's wrong with um, Papa Charles, my husband. And uh, made arrangements. Another day, left, flew into Emory and they looked at me and they said, we, you know, ran their own test. Um, and while I was there, got a call from my husband saying he had been diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And mm -hmm. they wanted to put him in the hospital in Phoenix immediately to start 24 hour a day chemo. Mm -hmm. um, turned to my daughter, she went back to her doctors and they said, bring him to. No, no discussion about insurance, but their thing was bring them to because this is going to be rough and they can't be 2000 miles apart. Right. Cannot. Right. And that started our journey. Yeah. So I want to I want to segue just uh, a moment, you know, with regards to the comment that you made as you were referring to speaking with the doctor that had first diagnosed this this uh, this this problem. You know, he insinuated to you that they don't take your insurance. Right. And he wasn't on track with really doing what his his training or professionalism was uh, was was noted for, which is saving lives. And so, like you said, the two paths never really cross. And if you don't mind me asking, sure. 
Um, you know, most people have nowadays what we consider to be major healthcare <laughs> type insurance. I mean, I'm a, I'm just making the assumption. Did you and your husband have major healthcare insurance? And why would you know? In the back of my mind, I'm saying, well, why would he? just insinuate that they don't take your insurance. Now, we know that all happens, but sometimes it could just be an excuse. It's some of both, actually. There are, like Mayo Clinic is a private hospital and one of the best in the world. And most of the people go there don't have like Obamacare or Medicare or whatever. They have Cadillac plans. That's what they're called. Yeah, they have Cadillac plans and that's their niche. I guess Mm -hmm. that's their niche. The other hospitals that were in the area, and it wasn't even the hospitals, it was the doctors, it was mm-hmm. the oncologists. And they, again, they get to determine whose insurance they will accept and who won't and whose they won't. Mm-hmm. And that's why when he said he, he, the people that he knew were the cancer that I had at late stage, I needed special specialists. Right. Okay, I didn't need the, I don't, I didn't need just an oncologist. I needed a team. I needed, I needed three, I ended up with three different kinds of oncologists. I had a radiation Mm -hmm. oncologist. I had a uh, ENT surgical oncologist. And then I had the the chemo oncologist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that that, level of care that I needed, my insurance, they w- they wouldn't even consider it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think, you know, and I've had some discussions before in prior episodes as we talk about healthcare and the state of healthcare, pr- primarily insurances here in the U.S. is such a monopolize business. And a lot of people, you know, they lose their shirt trying to make that premium payment just to keep insurance versus some of the other sustainable things in life that are needed. And it's, it's very hard when you look at, you know, I'm not saying that every country is great, you know, that's out there, but when you look at other countries and how they try and treat their citizens, whether Mm -hmm. it's a governmental healthcare system or whether it's uh, privatized, but it's not an exorbitant cost like what we see here in America, you know, these things tend to kind of balance themselves out. You know, there's, there's pros against those things and obviously there's cons, Mm -hmm. but as it relates to survival, you know, as we talk about your life, your fight, we have seen just in the past 15 months alone where our system has basically gone through just a, a, a complete upchuck. And when you start talking about your life and your fight, people are walking in saying, hey, look, I, I can't afford to pay $600 for a COVID shot, you know, and, and, and they're getting these things done for free. I mean, my wife and I, we got we got our COVID shot for free without having to show proof of insurance or anything like that. And so, I know you're an advocate for patient care, family care, cancer survival ship, but you've also worked, you know, in Washington to try to help stimulate and influence policy change. Can you share a little bit about that as well with us? I think 
what has happened is, is that COVID, the medical system has known for years and years and years about the disparity in care. Right. They have known that African-Americans die from things, basic things mm-hmm. that I don't want to say basic things, but general diseases, diabetes, heart, um, those kinds of things, strokes twice and more than other races. They -hmm. know that. They've Mm -hmm. ignored it. So now we come to the COVID that just totally, totally put it out there. The numbers Mm -hmm. of people that were dying, the numbers of of African-Americans that have underlying conditions, the numbers of African-Americans that are afraid to go to the doctor because they don't think that they're going to get the care. They would rather stay home and stay right. away from the doctors. So mm-hmm. in working with the, the uh, National Cancer Institute in Washington or outside of Washington, one of the things that I bring to the table, whenever they are talking about a new protocol, whenever they are talking about anything that, that, that has to do with patients, I'm not there as a scientist. I'm there as a patient advocate. Mm-hmm. And so if you're do if you're coming up with a new uh, chemo, if you're coming up with a new standard of care, I have to ask the questions from the patient's eyes, not the scientist's eyes, not the administrative eyes, not the financial eyes, but from how this will hurt, harm, or improve the patient care. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm representing, I'm talking to doctors and I'm challenging them. I'm talking to researchers and I'm challenging them. I'm talking to the finance people and I'm challenging them. Right. Who's not in the room are the insurance people. Right. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. And, 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 and to me, that's where, to me, that's where the rub really lies because you know, from my standpoint, I'm a small business guy. Right. You know, we've got people working for us. You know, the amount of money we pay out in mm-hmm. insurance premiums for, for ourselves, for our families, as well as for the folks that work for us. I mean, that cost is enough to <laughs> to basically feed, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, several families, you know, in, 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 in different countries. Sure. And I scratch my head to say, okay, I go to the doctor five times or 10 times or whatever, whatever that, that minimal number is for, for wellness care per year. But I'm paying such an exorbitant cost, you know, for something that, you know, if I'm staying fairly healthy, uh, it shouldn't be that way. Mm -hmm. And, and it's just, it's just astonishing to me that we have never in this country, you know, not only from the disparity standpoint, but just as a general community uh, movement to do something mm-hmm. to try to improve on, and I'm going to have to use this term loosely too, the entitlement of these monopolized insurance companies because they are just getting over hand over fist at this point in time. And you're absolutely right. I mean, that was the whole fight about Obamacare. Yes. That was the whole fight. That was the bait. That was the bottom line. 
Right. You know, it's socialized medicine. It's, you know, it costs too much. It's, you know, if you, what did, I think it was Rand Paul's father uh, said, you have the right to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was his answer to Obamacare. You have the right to die. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, I guess, you know, the, the ironic thing for me is that my family is really scattered across the globe. So I, I, I do have options like, you know, in, in one situation as an example of trying to bring some relevance to this, you know, my wife needed, uh, you know, a, a root canal and eventually the tooth got pulled and they said, okay, we want to put in an implant. And, 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 and basically we were, we were here, you know, in, in the Houston metropolitan area. And the doctor says, well, that's going to be like $4,500. That's going to be like seven, you know, $6,000 or whatever the number was yes. going to be. Yes. And, and, and I said to myself, we can get on a plane, both of us, yeah. <laughs> and travel back to Peru mm-hmm. and see our families and, and, and enjoy, you know, um, uh, have a good time, you know, for a week and a half, two weeks and see a dentist and still not even amount to coming up to that, that number. And, uh, you know, it's just, to me, it's just mind boggling. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate for, for trying to ensure that things are done in the right cohesive manner so that at the end of the day, there's a fair level and equal playing field for all. I do understand, you know, if you're in the insurance business, you got to make money. But, you know, sometimes making money doesn't necessarily mean you have to rob people blindly. And sometimes, you know, this robbing people mm-hmm. blindly is, mm-hmm. is is completely legalized. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. You're right. And that's why a lot of people do. And that's, you know, a lot of people do. I mean, people go to Mexico or they go mm-hmm. to other countries to get basic care that right. is here and, you know, to to say, well, if you don't have a Cadillac plan at your job, Mm because there's no way you can afford a Cadillac plan on your own. So if you don't have a Cadillac plan at your job, um, you have a right to die. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You have a right to die. Yeah. Yeah. Before, before we get into your book, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll just wrap up my last thought on, on, on what you've, what you stated there. You know, you, you know, you, you, you've mentioned you have the right to die and, and what people are starting to gravitate, gravitate towards right now is that we've gone through this pandemic, jobs have laid off thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, which these jobs will probably never come back. So these individuals are starting to figure out, I've got to do something on my own and they're starting small businesses, but yet they realize running a small business or being an entrepreneur or whatever the case may be is extremely hard. Yes. And then on top of that, you've got to have all of the insurances and CPAs and health insurances and benefits and all these different things, which is another cost tacked on top of that. And eventually we're putting our society in a situation where we have that right to die. And I know a lot of people are probably going, Greg, that is that is like a right wing, left wing thought process. But let's think about it. If your jobs are not coming back, 
And you still got to put food on the table. You still got to go to the doctor. You still got to have wellness care and all these different things that are going on. But now you're working as a small business or as a small business owner or as an entrepreneur. These are the hard, cold facts that we're faced with as this country continues to move forward the way that we're going today. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so Barr, Barry. I mean, you know, the book yeah. that you wrote, which is, you know, obviously it's, it's inspired by the true story of you and your husband together winning the battle against cancer. So after you were in, um, Atlanta and they were starting to treat you and how much further along later on did your husband show up? And then of course, obviously you guys were there together for, for treatment. I mean, was that within a short period of time or, or how many weeks was that? It was just one week. It was within the week. I got here one week and he got here the next week. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And so the, the irony that, that, that we, we, we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, you know, as you expressed that, you know, the differentiator there was you were treated like a patient, you know, yeah. uh, day one. I mean, they hadn't even seen you. They haven't even, you know, uh, performed any type of tests or diagnosis. They were only looking at, you know, your body of work, your, right. your records, your patient records. That's correct. And, uh, you know, as you talk about, being an advocate and bringing forth the highest level of equality in patient care, a lot of us need to realize that when we do go to the doctor, we should challenge that assumption. You know, we should we should really dive into the hard facts and ensure that this individual is capable of providing you with the proper wellness care that is needed. And, you know, just so that our listeners are aware uh, before we got started with the podcast, I was telling Barr that, you know, I hurt my back a few weeks back. And I know s- some people that have been close to what's going on with the podcast are aware of that. But in the context of that, from our initial discovery call, I've just been eerie, you know, and when I go into this doctor's office, you know, the last thing I want to hear come out of his mouth is, well, Mr. Proctor, I need to have, you know, we're going to have to have back surgery and we're going to have to do this, we have to do that. You know, I want to explore every option, yes. every physical therapy, every, you know, option that I possibly can to avoid, you know, something as traumatic as having to go through that. Because, you know, to me, those stories don't always turn out very well, <laughs> Right. right. <laughs> you know, so, so the book has become the bestseller and you know, now you are on your way to a flourishing, you know, author, speaking, health advocate career. And how is your husband doing today? My husband is doing very well. Uh, the interesting part about my husband is when we both, we both reached, we, we were diagnosed at the same time, which is unusual. It's, you know, that's just totally off the charts that both, uh, people in a, in a marriage or in a relationship are uh, diagnosed at the same time. Uh, but in our eighth year, eight years out uh, of survivorship, he got a second cancer. And um, 
he had to be treated again with the chemo and a lot of the a lot of the same. It was a second blood cancer, uh, and you know that was a big setback for both of us. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, but he's doing well. I mean, you know, we are we are doing well. We have taken control of of our lives. We've taken control of our health, we've taken our physical health, but we've also taken control of our emotional and mental health. Right, right. And I'm sure going through an ordeal like that really taxes your your mental stability your 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 thought process you're you're on a roller coaster because you're trying to figure out how to survive and right. and i and i and my heart goes out to you and your husband you know even my wife my wife at one point before we got married um was diagnosed uh with with uh, cancer mm -hmm. in her thyroid mm -hmm. and uh you know, every time we deal with the insurance companies now, when it's a renewal yep. uh, time frame, you know that always comes up, and we're like, okay, guys, we're we're like fifteen years removed. You know, she's fifteen years survival uh, survivalist of of this. I mean, you know, how many more times do we have to continue to you know provide this information to you to to kind of you know ensure that you know she gets covered, you know, for the yeah. next year. Well, and it's just, go ahead. I'm sorry. No. Well, part of it is, is that once you've had one cancer, you are likely, very likely to have another. That's right. Just, that's just, that's just the science. That's just the fact, you know, yeah. whether it's in remission, whether there's no, you're never cured. That's the word. You're never mm -hmm. cured from cancer. You're in remission. You're, they say you're in remission or there's no evidence of disease. But mm -hmm. I, the insurance companies, as well as the doctors, if you switch doctors and they will say, oh, you've had cancer, you know, and with a big asterisk next to it so that they know if there's any symptoms of anything. I, I had a friend that I lost a couple of years ago and she was 22 years out and it came back. Mm. It reactivated. Wow. Yeah. So that's why they do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always knew that there is uh there's a rhyme or reason to their madness. I mean, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's always certain periods of the year that I kind of cringe as being a business owner. And that happens to be one. It's like, okay, when I have to go and fill out this whole medical history, you know, to renew the insurance at, at the end of the year or carry it over, you know, with all of, all of the tailing questions, it's like, I've got a, just a, a stack of, of these forms yeah. that, sure. that, uh, that represent from year to year. This is what happened. This is what we're carrying forward, so forth and so on. Right. So, Barb, you know, there's a lot of concern with, you know, things that we've talked about as far as the disparity of care in the African-American communities, how cancer survivors can cope and deal with, you know, not only moving forward because they've heard the word cancer, but how they can have the courage to thrive and live their life in the fullest uh, possible means that they possibly can. So can you share with us, what are some of those attributing factors that you have been working on to kind of advocate as you're talking with patients mm -hmm. that help them understand how they can transcend forward? Yeah. 
The first thing is never give up. I have a, I have a, I have a sign I made when um, I was going through and when I was going through the treatment and uh, I just wrote, you know, I was laying down and it just came to me, just never give up. I don't care what they tell you. They had written me off. I was stage four. Uh, and, you know, basically when I got there, they said, we're going to throw everything we got at you, but mm, not looking good. Mm-hmm. And even though I heard that, I didn't let that, you know, not looking good. I just said, I'm not giving up, never sure. give up. And mm-hmm. then the other thing is like your life, your fight, take control. Don't just listen to the doctors, the nurses, the other people ask questions, make them accountable. Um, Get you a strong support system, your family, your caregivers, your, if you're in church, your church, your community, get other people involved. Because one of the things that cancer patients tend to do is they don't want to tell anybody. They want to right. keep it a secret. There's shame associated with it. Certain cancers, there's just shame associated with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and then find, what do I want to say? Find your happy find your reason to live, find your reason to fight. One of the things that happened to my husband and I shortly after we were both in Atlanta and both both uh, diagnosed was that my daughter got pregnant. She was with her husband and they wanted a child. They had been working on it and hadn't, you know, it hadn't come to be. And then mm-hmm. in the middle of our treatment, she goes, mom, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and mm. I, that became my reason. I mean, you know, I had lots of reasons, but I said, I need to be here to see that new baby. I need mm-hmm. to be here to hold my grandchild. And mm-hmm. so when, you know, the ups and the downs of the treatment, the setbacks, the all of that, every time I said, I just got to be here to see this baby. I just, gotta, you know, I just want to be here to be the grandma. And mm-hmm. so you have to find your reason for living, your reason to fight. Just because they say it, it doesn't mean it's over. It does not mean it's over. And so many people, when they hear it, and I know this, they give up right there in the office or the hospital or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um you know, I, I, I certainly sense that by you being in the tranche or in the thick of trying to survive your own life, that, you know, those thoughts of giving up probably sometimes outweigh the thoughts of, of living. And, and I love the way you put it is you've got to find your happiness. You have to find your reason to fight and continue to live and get beyond this. And we are truly, truly blessed that you are still continuing to fight and fight for others. And and uh, it's been it's been an honor to to get to meet you and uh, spend this quality time with you and learn a little bit more about you. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on this wonderful show. Um, I appreciate what you're doing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, having listened to lots of your other podcasts. And I am thankful and grateful. And your life, your fight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Barr, as we wrap up, like I said, this has been a a joy to, to try to cover all this into a 30 minute digestible program and, and really try to 
you know, get in those gems, those little nuggets of, of, of things that really can impact one's life and nourish their soul. And as we wrap up, I have something that I'd like to read that basically goes like this. It says, no matter how good or bad you have it, wake up each day, be thankful for your life because someone somewhere else is desperately fighting for theirs. Now, quite inspiring words to end what I would consider to be a very inspiring episode entitled Your Life, Your Fight. But even if you're not in a health crisis or dealing with something that is life-threatening, use these words as you're trying to invoke change in your life. Use these words as you're trying to get out of a bad situation in life. Use these words as if they're the only words you need to hear every morning when you get up to get yourself motivated. And so folks, my heart goes out to everyone that has been a cancer survivor. You guys are always in my thoughts and prayers. It's something that's very sentimental and near and dear to my heart because like I said, my wife is a cancer survivor. And so as we wrap up, I always say, let's find a way to unite our communities, uphold our prosperity, figure out ways to come together. We need togetherness in the world today. And let's all figure out, not as individuals, not as race, not as male or women or female or whatever you guys want to want to say, but as a unit, as a team, to make this world a better place. This has been episode 140. Thanks again to Miss Ross for being on the program. I'm Greg Proctor, your host. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Cut to the Chase. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Cut to the Chase. You'll also find even more great content on our website at www.k2tcpodcast.com. Thank you and catch you on the next episode.